had an Olympic break and we are back with episode 8 of the Short Shoot Show. We hope you missed us. We've missed you. Uh, there's less than a month to go now until Super League finally kicks off. Uh, it seems like it's been a long, long time for the Championship Series. The streets of West India Quay in central London. Four races in four weekends all September. It will be epic. We'll preview it in future episodes. There's so much to talk about before then, though. Uh, we had a little couple of races called the Olympics just gone. We've got two big WTCS races coming up in Canada uh, to decide the world champion. And so many people in Lycra running around. And speaking of Lycra, as usual, we have two people on the show who can still pull it off and one person who cannot. Tim Don, Annie Emerson and Chris McCormack, you decide who's who, who can pull it off and who can't. Uh, Maka, you're the one that can't. How are you, uh, first of all? It's been a little while. I know you've just got off the phone with the Olympic champion. Uh, how's he feeling? Oh, he's obviously very chuffed, as you would be if you win an Olympic gold medal. And, uh, yeah, interesting conversation. Yeah, he walked us through the event and... Uh, yeah, still, still sitting on cloud nine. That's for sure. He's, uh, you know, very. It's, it's a goal. He said he, he put out to the universe in two thousand and nine, and he said I spent eleven or twelve years trying to explain myself. And he said a, a, an interesting thing in two thousand and eighteen at the Gold Coast uh, World Championships. He was asked a question, and he has this poster up on his wall. It was a newspaper article down here in Australia that he said. What's next? And he said, I was going to win the Olympics in Tokyo. And the Australians wrote an article on it and basically ridiculed him. Said the Norwegian confidence without any background basically was the, how dare this guy have this much confidence? So he said that was his motive, has been the team's motivation. And I said, oh, well, tell me the art, tell me who that was and I'll rub it in for you. But no, very, very happy lad, as he would be. It's nothing like the Australian or the British media to, to cut somebody down. Uh, we're very good at that uh, in both countries. Let's go to you, Anne. You, uh, you, you've got a much bigger living room than you had before. How, where are you? What's going on? I live in Scotland. You know, that's what we do. You know, down south, we come up to Scotland to go on holiday because we can't, or until this point, couldn't go anywhere else. And now Boris has said, it's okay, you can all go to France. Um, but we're in Scotland. And it's beautiful. And it's beautiful. And we've had lovely weather. So, you know, we're on cloud nine. And uh, obviously just off the back of um, working on the Olympics, which I was like, massively privileged to do. And uh, obviously, and not least, because the Brits absolutely excelled. They certainly did. I, I, my, my Twitter timeline was full of people praising you. It made me a little ill. Uh, maybe it was just you retweeting people that, uh, uh, that have been complimenting you. That's probably what it was. I unfollowed you. It was annoying. <laughs> Like one day you've got a big hair, then you've got no hair, now you've got a beard. What's going on, mate? You're having a midlife crisis. Oh, could see it, yeah, for the last 10 years. Um, yeah, no, it's all good. Um, I fly out to Tokyo this week, um, or Japan, not Tokyo. So, yeah, all, all systems go for that. And, um, yeah, no, I'm, I couldn't believe the Olympics was awesome. Just watched the, the final events on the track and the boxing. We won another gold. Um, so yeah, no, I've just been loving sport, getting up super early to watch what I can. Yes, yeah, how good has it been down here, Maka, just to have it at a normal time? It's good to have everyone in the Northern Hemisphere feel a little bit of our pain and have to get up in the middle of the night. Let's talk Olympics. We're going to start with the men. Uh, the first race on the Tokyo schedule in the triathlon, hot, sticky, littered with stray media boats uh, at the start. That was completely wild. Um, but let, let's go through it piece by piece, obviously, after the false start, which affected half the field. Um, it was Vince Lewis with another commanding swim, but this one, it didn't work out from him. And it seems that maybe his his commanding performances of 2020 seem to, well, the others have caught up with him. Uh, Maka, what do you make of where Vince is at? He was very quiet prior and he, he didn't probably have the race he, he hoped he would have had given the end of last year for him. 
I think uh, I think Annie, we talked about it. I don't know if we were all texting over it or we were talking about it on the show that he he was awfully quiet in the build up, and there may have been may have been an injury in that build up. And then I saw a, a, an Instagram post from Taylor Spivey recently showing how proud she was of her of her partner and and showing Vince actually on one of those Gravity Zero treadmills leading into it. So he obviously. You know, it must be difficult. I wouldn't know. I never went through that Olympic experience, but it must be difficult going into an Olympics as as a favourite that everyone was talking about their event to lose and nursing an injury, right? So, or, or recovering from an injury. So, having to deal with that, I, you know, I, 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 I thought he raced very, very well. He was courageous. He was he put himself right in the action. He nursed his way through. It was just a, you know, it was one of those races. So, I think we all looked at everyone. You know, every single piece of coverage I've seen in the build-up, everyone picks someone different to win it. And uh, I thought Vince's performance was spectacular. You know, we what you expect, you've got to bring it back to perspective. This is the Olympic Games. And, you know, he's a, a sixth or seventh place finish in Olympic Games. Like, what well, was tenth place finish at the end? What was it? I can't. It's, it's remarkable. It's, it's remarkable. So, you know, well, 13th. Okay. Well, there you go. It's at the end of the day, you're, you're at the Olympics. You're going to the Olympics as a favourite. You put yourself right there. You've nursed your way through. You're in the action from the onset, and you and potentially you weren't able to get those run miles in the legs that you needed to to put yourself on that podium. I, I think he should be very very proud of himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ten riders on the bike initially, chases included Blumenfeld, which they invariably do. Uh, came together by lap four. Two laps to go, 40 riders in a group again. That seems to be the new standard of how racing plays out these days when you don't have like an Alistair Brownlee or whatever. We've talked about it before. Is, is this the way or is that the course? Uh, Tim, what do you think? Like, was that the course that made it happen that way with a big group coming into T2? Or is that the way the men's field stacks right now? I think at the moment it's the way the men's field stacks. You've got... Um, amazing bike riders up the front in the lead group and in the second and third group. But the second and third group are just committing. Um, you know, if someone doesn't work, people are shrugging their shoulders. Well, in that second group, the the Norwegians, they don't care. The Hayden Wilds, they're quite happy to do double, triple turns because they want to win the races and they know they need to be in the front to win them. And they'll do whatever it takes in that 40K to get to the front. Um, and along the way, if they drag you know, someone who's slightly weaker up on the bike, they're willing to take that risk, but they're not going to let the race happen a minute, two minutes up the road. Um, yeah, but, you know, Alistair's a big a big player. He's a big influence in our sport. And I think, yeah, he was missed by that league group, definitely at the Olympics. Annie, what did you make of the first two legs of the, uh, the Olympic experience? And obviously you were calling it uh, for BBC and... You know, it started with a bang with the boat, and then by the time we got to T two, was a it was a it was a foot race. Oh wow! Yeah, let's talk about that boat. I mean, you know, it was appalling. You know, I, I kind of it was this subconscious moment where I'm kind of looking at Alex G, kind of going and thinking, no, no, hang on a minute. We normally have that heartbeat, don't we? It lasts about thirty seconds, and we're just waiting and waiting for the gun. And all of a sudden, it was like go, and then you saw the boat, and half the field didn't go. You know, and that must have unnerved people. There's no two ways about it. Um, but going back to your point about um, about the front pack, I, I think that Alistair is missed hugely because I do think that front pack 
had an opportunity. You know, they had the likes of Johnny in there. They had uh, Vincent Luis. Uh, they had Schumberg. Uh, they had such, you know, strong guys. I mean, okay, we can't now, we know, underestimate how strong the Norwegians are and just how hard they're prepared to work to pull back that deficit from the swim. But I think there's no one bossing in the front group. Mm. You know, I think they had an opportunity. Yes, it would be tough. But I think if you had Alistair at his very best, it could have been a bit different. That that that's that's my take on it. It was an odd course. It wasn't a course that I enjoyed commentating on. You didn't really know where you were at at any point. It was it was just bitty bitty. There was nothing that you know. I like a course. I mean, Rio was the perfect course for me. But um, yeah, the, the course was okay. It was nothing special, and perhaps that didn't help the front back either. Could have been Gamagori Maka. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it looked like it, didn't it? It was very. Yeah, I, I to, to jump in there, I, I tend to agree with Annie. I, I, I found that the dead turns and the it, it, it didn't really, you know, I th- had Alistair been there and was able to drive that front group. I, I tend to agree there was enough of a gap there to to keep that group away, and they seemed relatively committed early. They seemed to to, to be organised, and and Johnny sort of took that mantle up, and you know, and and Martin Van Reel seemed seemed committed to that, but then. Sort of that mid midsection of the bike race, when I remember seeing Christian Blumenfeld on the back with Gustav Eden and in the group behind, and they were probably sitting about twenty five seconds. That the, the pace came out of that front group. I think they started getting ahead of themselves, and uh, and that gap closed. And once that once they saw that gap closing, Hayden started working in that group behind Hayden Wild, and and that gap and those dead turns enabled the group to never look like it was so far away, if that makes sense. And and once once they got their that second group got their eye on that front group, it was. It was it was always going to come back together. Yeah, the course took a bit of blame, and yeah, it was it was a little featureless. It needed a, something something to it, especially from yeah from a commentator's point of view, which you know most of us are now looking at races like that. Uh, Stefan Zakhaus and Andrea Salvesberg had a crack. Obviously, uh, Andrea came flying into T two, nearly went past the dismount line, but it didn't take long for Alex Shear to take over. And gee, he looks an amazing runner in all conditions and at all times. And it doesn't really matter what the rest of the the um, the race is doing. And alongside Christian and Hayden, I mean, at the point where there was just the three of them, who were your choices? Like, who who, who did you think with five k's to go was going to be was was going to do the job? Because we've seen we've seen Christian do it before, and he did it exactly like he was always going to do it, which is with one k to go or one and a half k's to go, he was just going to put the foot down and stretch and stretch and stretch until they couldn't go with him. But with five k's to go. Well, I mean, what did who did who did you who did you have your money on, Annie? What what did you think? Like, who, it was hard to go past Alex Yee at that point. Well, I I kind of felt that the fact that Alex was still there, that you know, the not that he wasn't feeling good because they were absolutely flying, but the fact that he hadn't tried to break um, probably meant that he was where he wanted to be, and he didn't want to go too much harder than that. Um, I mean, I think that Christian always looked dangerous. I think Wild was a bit of a threat, but I think he lacked a bit of racing. Um, I mean, phenomenal uh, um, uh, performance from the Kiwi, honestly. He was absolutely brilliant. I mean, he said himself he was handcuffed to his country for 18 months. So that was an incredible performance from him. Um, I think that reading about Blumenfeld, like in his post-race um, 
conference, his press conference, he said, I just had to go. And five, for five minutes, I knew all I had to do is put myself in the deepest, darkest place and just hammer it. And that's what he did. And that's why he won. But I think there's a difference between, you know, thinking about winning and being really motivated to win and actually having convinced yourself. And I think Christian Blumenfeld had convinced himself he was going to win and there was going to be no other outcome. I think mentally on that day, he was incredibly strong. But, you know, Alex, for goodness sake, what was it, his ninth ever Olympic distance sort of pro race? I mean, God, that guy has a huge future. But on the Mm. day, I think it was always going to be Christian's race. Yeah. Look, anyone else jump in? What did you think about the last 5Ks? And did did Christian have have it in the bag for you guys at that point? Uh, For me, I mean, the longer the race went on without Alex having a gap, the less I thought Alex would win, unfortunately. Um, he just is not he's not racing as smart as his talent is is there at the moment in triathlon he's willing to sit on the front and it just burns a little burns these matches um, well you know Hayden and Christian they rarely went to the front of the run while Alex is happy to sit there and we've seen that and once he gets the gap he's untouchable but if he doesn't get the gap he doesn't have that raw power and then when he looks around and sees Christian you know, I know he's science-driven, but on top of his science-driven, he'll chew off his leg before anyone beats him. He's a tough, tough b- He's a tough, tough guy to beat. And um, you can see that in his face. You can see that in his just raw power when he's running. So, yeah, I felt for, felt for Alex, but, I mean, the kid's like 12. So he's got he's got three years now to, to the next Olympic Games. <laughs> So, um, you know, we're expecting big things from him, but yeah, take nothing away from from Christian because, um, you know, the the longer the run went on, the more confidence he would got. And it's that big snowball effect. It was just rolling and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So, and then you look, fourth place was over 30 seconds down on that trio. That's massive in men's racing. We're used to seeing them crossing the line, crossing the line. So um, those three... Those three, they really had the runs of their life to, to do that to the rest of the best field assembled in, in the last you know five years. Yeah, I, I, to, to even elaborate even further on that, I think when Christian made the move that, that separated that group of three from the six or seven of them that were running and, and that gap started to open up and you saw him, he moved to the front, put the hammer down. And I started asking myself, okay, which one of these three are just, because you, you know, when you've got up the road and there's three of you and you've got a bit of a gap, you start thinking, oh, shit, I'm a medalist. You, you, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a medal. And which one of those three are thinking, I'm happy to get a medal, and which one of them is thinking, I want the gold one? And, and and you know, remember Alex G ran a minute into Christian Blumenfeld in Leeds only, oh, what, four weeks before the Games. And, and I tend to agree, with that performance, he was off the front. And I, 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 I thought Hayden Wilde at that point was a danger because he has such a good kick finish and he'd been working a lot with the five and 10,000 metre runners in Australia, almost in New Zealand. He almost made the New Zealand Olympic team for that. And But just looking at, at, at Christian and watching him run off that, that left-hand turn as you come back into transition, there was a, a long, looked like a long downhill on the television. And he, he was always at the front on that. And I thought, if they don't get rid of him, he's going to be very, very hard to, to get past. But he, he left nothing to chance. He made that move again. And, and to me, it Alex and, and Hayden looked to be relatively satisfied with being in the medals. And, and Christian got that gap and was able to hold on to that gap. And he just seemed to want it more. It's, it's easy to sit back and, and say that. But as a viewer, it seemed that he wanted it more and, 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 uh, and, he, and he took it. I think, I think you probably nailed it there, Maka, really, because I think that Alex 
Alex Alex came in, you know, to this race and only worked out that he'd qualified back in June. And yeah. I think he, you know, the next time round it will be very very different. But I think you probably nailed it there. And it's not that you know the gold was handled to to handed to Christian, but I, I think you're absolutely right. The two athletes, Hayden and, and Lee, are the kind of two of the youngest guys in the field, and they were like, "Whoa, we're going to get a medal." You know, he didn't yeah. even realize he was going to be at the Olympics. Um, but I, I think, and also what Tim said. I, I just don't think Christian was going to lose that race. You know, mm. I think he would have been, I don't know what he would have done to have had to lose it, but he just, he was a man on a mission that day. No one was going to beat him. Yeah, I don't think anyone's wanted anything more than Christian Blumenfeld wanted that gold medal. So he's thrilled about it every day for the last 10 years when, you know, when Alex Yee was only three years old, pretty much. But uh, an all Super League top five as well, of course, with Martin Van Riel and, and Johnny Brownie uh, rounding out the top five. So, um, there you go, make what you want of that, but we'll claim it. Um, just dishonourable mention to all of the media that went on and on about Christian's tri-suit, which really pissed me off, to be fair, because I guess at, at this point it's good to have lots of eyes and lots of media on um, on triathlon as a sport, but when people don't, then then they say headlines like, uh, triathletes' golden moment ruined by wardrobe malfunction. It just just, just pissed me because they got no idea. Um, anyway, that's my rant over. Let's move on to the women's uh, and what a, mo- what a masterclass from Flora Duffy. In the wet, all that heat acclimatisation training out the window. It was typhoon season. Um, and then when you look back at Flora's journey, she DNF'd in Beijing. She was 45th in London. She was 8th in Rio. And then she drops her 33-minute 10K and streets everyone at the back end. Uh, she'll be racing Super League Triathlon for the first time in Malibu at the end of September. Uh, what a get for her and what what a race for her as well. Maka, what did you think of the way Flora executed that? Uh, we'll move on to the rest of the podium getters in a minute, but she was supreme. Oh, she was incredible. And we, we saw that run performance in Leeds. She posted the fastest run time in Leeds. So we, we knew the preparation was was spot on. And, and, and Flora is a swim biker at her core who's developed – she's the best runner in the sport at the moment. So – she was remarkable. I, I thought once we saw the rain, when you've got the technical prowess of, of Flora Duffy, it's it's all falling your way. And and she just ripped that field apart. And and and, and she took that grip with her. I thought Katie Zafaris was there, but once she got onto that run, Flora was comfortable, confident, and uh, she was never going to be challenged. And I, and 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 it's all those those failings that you talk about that I'm sure she channeled on that day. And and it was a dominant performance. And there, there's not a more deserving. Well, there is more. There is everyone's a deserving winner, but geez, she she earned that and she's paid her dues. And what a what a phenomenal Olympic champion for triathlon to have. She's she's remarkable. Yeah, Annie, what did you think about that as you called it? Oh wow, um, I think yeah, you know, looking at the race that she had in Leeds, and and she's one of those um, athletes that yeah, she's had a few hiccups, and and it took it took a while to get to that place where she was in 2016, 17 when she won the world championships. Um, but she, when she's on a bike, you, you just feel confident. There are some athletes you watch and you get a bit twitchy because you think, how long are they going to stay up for? What's going to go wrong? But she just looks like she's made to be on a bike. And she's nailed that swim-bike combination for so long. And then after that run in Leeds, she just went, well, it's who's coming second and third, really, isn't it? Because she was never not going to bring that, you know, the best run. And she's outstanding on the run, you know. Um, and I guess if we look at GTB and having that puncture, which I, I guess we'll talk about it in a minute, which was the exceptional bike handling skills and also keeping your head together moment. But I think even Georgia would admit on the day, you know, even if she'd have come up off the bike with Flora, you know, she was still 50 seconds down at the end of the race, you know. So I think Flora, yeah, no one was going to take that away from Flora. 
don't know what you think, Tim. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I mean, you know, the one the weakest link for Flora over the last twelve months has been her swim. Um, you know, leads she didn't make the lead or the second group, she had to bike up to that second group. After a thousand meters, the first lap, and I saw her in that lead group, as you said, with the rain. I mean, she's three or four time Xterra world champion. She rides the mountain bike probably more in the winter than a road bike or time trial bike. She has the skill. She's not just got the, the handling, she's got the confidence on the bike. And, and she's, I think she would have worked, not worked, but she would have burnt less matches on the bike, you know, because she's not panicking in and out of corners. She's comfortable. Um, she'd done her heat prep, come down from altitude. Um, and yeah, we knew she had the run. And I think, um, you know, she got into a rhythm, you know, <laughs> running off the bike to, to, to put her run shoes on and she, she never looked back and she didn't break that, that laser stare and literally to the last 50 meters. You know, she wasn't leaving anything to chance because she 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 really is meticulous with her preparation and her execution. And yeah, ah, for Bermuda, the first ever gold medal ever, and it's a female, and it's Flora Duffy. It is just huge. I I couldn't be happier for the small island nation. Can you imagine um, that party? Ah, awesome. it would be be rum yeah. rum flowing in the boats <laughs> in the marina. It would be be awesome. I bet she can't she can't wait to get back there. I'm sure. Um, but, you know, and, and again, let's talk about that. It, it is the weight of a nation on her. And, you know, she handles it so well. It's, you know, just as if, yeah, I'm just so impressed with her and so happy that she executed what she truly, truly could. But what did you think of the the, the tech? Because watching that race, the, the, the rain played a big role. But, I, you know, I don't know if you saw Summer Rappaport because she was in that front group and with such a big, a big run, I thought, She's a danger here, but she was swinging on the back. And I'm thinking, this is an Olympic game. She has to move up a bit. And she ended up getting dropped from that that front group because of her, her, her I guess, her bike skills and, and confidence in that rain. And then she actually got dropped from the second group. So, you know, I, I, there was a few of the women that I was quite surprised of their yes, bike handling. I thought, I thought she sort of stayed on. I, I sort of made a, a comment halfway through commentary that I remember now that she did stay on with Nicola's group some time and the thing is I don't want to put Summer yeah. down because she's a bloody amazing athlete and I was with you as well Chris so I, I thought that you know she had huge potential for a medal when she was in that front pack I thought yeah. she was going to be a real danger she she runs beautifully she's great in the heat and and I feel for her that she's not been able to conquer that fear of yeah. of riding hard and and be, I'm, I'm I'm sure her numbers are good on the bike, but she just can't stick on anyone's wheel, and it's such a shame that she put herself in that medal, you know, chance, and then just it didn't even look like it was on a, a corner that she came off. Yeah. She just couldn't get, you know, she just wasn't on, and, and my heart kind of bleeds for her because on one hand I want to go, come on, what the hell are you doing on the bike? But on the other hand, I'm just like, she just doesn't seem to be able to get it. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Because we've seen it so many times. It wasn't just in the Olympics. So many races we've seen it. Yeah, I think the women also rode hard. It wasn't just the technicality because Lopez got dropped as well. They, they didn't get caught like in the men's race. So even on the straights where normally Summer would maybe slowly get back up, maybe freewheel, okay, another corner, go off the back, freewheel. You know, there was none of that. Those girls, you know, you had Jess. Jess got the confidence, you know, from a terrible injury you know, um, earlier in the year from Leeds that you hammer the bike, you run terrible, you can still get on the podium. You know, Jess believed that and that that would have, you know, Lopez got dropped and so did Summer. 
So, um, yeah, I think, and I think Zwift is to blame. When it rains, people used to go outside. Now they're like, I'm not going outside yeah. in the rain. I'm going to ride Zwift. I'm going to ride in Watopia. <laughs> and, you know, like everyone rides around car parks. You see the whole JT squad. But do they do it in the rain? I don't know. Maybe Flora does. And they do it Leeds. I know that because it rains every day. It never rains in the garage, does it? It's always beautiful in Watopia. There's no question about that. It was a very, it was a lucrative weekend for me. I had, I had Hayden Wild to make the podium at nine dollars fifty, into Flora to win at five dollars fifty. It was a, it was a very good weekend for me. It paid rent, kept the kids fed for the last two weeks. So I've been very happy with that. Um, and what else, another thing that made us, made me very happy is to watch George Taylor Brown have, have come back from that flat tire in such a flurry, and oh, yeah. and also to see Cady Zafiras. Turn it on when it counted after so many column inches and so many minutes of this podcast and many others have been dedicated to whether or not she deserves to be on that team. She showed everyone that she absolutely did. Uh, and Macca, that must have been good to see. And also, we, you know, as with Georgia and Katie being such mainstays of, of Super League racing as well, to, to put it out there on the day and pick up medals, uh, both coming from very different stories and very different last 12 months, but equally impressive. Oh, the the entire race was amazing, and and you saw Georgia really looked, and you know, talking about that flat tire because you saw that happen when she lost that group, and you're like, oh man, how's she going to deal with this mentally? And she got off, she put her head down, and she really moved well. And you know, we did say she had had that not happened, would that pressure have been on Flora? We, we don't know what the outcome would be. I just thought Georgia handled that race like a seasoned pro, like she just 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 earned that silver medal. And 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 Katie, we. There was a lot of question marks with Taylor Spivey being left off the team and a lot of people going, oh, you know, what's happening? And and as far as we were concerned on this show, we talked about it. Katie's history and her performances have passed earned her that spot on that Olympic team. The fact that she still wasn't on that team a long time ago is, is debatable. But to go what she's to go through what she had been through in 2021 with the loss of her father, to to have to deal with all that, to stand back up on 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 a to stand back up and perform like she did on the biggest stage in our sport and to get a bronze medal. There's that wonderful photo of Flora Duffy with her arms up in the air mm. as, as Katie crosses the, the finish line. Everybody that does triathlon can appreciate how remarkable a woman she is and how remarkable an athlete she was. I, I you know, there was a tear in my, in, in our household. I, I was just moved by the entire women's race. It was remarkable. Amazing. Well, I, I am um, completely agree with you there Maka I mean GTB I mean she just she looks like such a pro doesn't she she's yeah. she's brilliant to watch on the bike on the run and to have I think a lot of athletes with a flat two two kilometers out might have gone oh it's game over but that's like it never went through her head it was like I've just got to get to transition and it was pretty amazing that in the end I think she only lost around about 22 seconds or something um, and, and she, it just didn't fluster her but I've just, you know, with you, I mean, I think you know, we might have been quite outspoken about how passionate we were about Safira's having that third spot. Um, and I was just so happy that she was able to prove that it was absolutely the right thing to do on the day. She's an athlete that, you know, you guys always talk about her, you know, at Super League, that she's the consummate professional. She nails everything. She takes everything so seriously in a good way, you know. And there was no one more deserving of a medal on that day. Listen, they all deserve a medal, but Katie was at the top of the tree, I think. But um, I think I think Tim knows a little bit more about what Georgia went through. I think, um, yeah, no, I, I think Georgia had an amazing race. But there was the only time I really was worried for Georgia is it was about 
I think it was it was about a kilometre to go on the bike, and she went around a U-turn, and she looked over her shoulder, and if there had been a wheel stopped there, I really think she would have stopped and changed the wheel, and that would have been disaster. So I am so glad that there were no wheel stops in the last couple of kilometres, and I think the pressure didn't get to her because she had to focus so much on staying upright. And yes, she lost 22 seconds, but she probably was riding harder than she ever did. I bet her, you know, her five minute max power for that race was at the end. So you've got to take that into consideration. But I think the way Flora ran, you know, um, she she clearly won with all those out and backs after 5k, but she didn't back off. Um, who knows how much quicker she would have run. I'd have loved to have seen her go toe-to-toe with Georgia Taylor-Brown and toss the coin. Katie Zafer, as, as we all know, you know, the selection, the Americans have such a peculiar selection sometimes in a sport like triathlon. And, um, you know, they, they went with um, a, a tried and, and tested performer. And that's exactly what she did. You know, she, you know, a year and a half ago, we would have said, well, of course she's going to get a medal. And she, that's all she believed in. You know, through all of the, the smoke, she 100% with Tommy and her coaching team, they believed she was capable and she delivered that. So to all the naysayers, I say, fair play. Well done, Katie. I love it. <laughs> yes. I'm with you, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> just, on, just, on, just on another note there, I think that... that um, she did say, Georgia did say um, when she was being interviewed just across the line, um, she was quite emotional and she did admit to the fact that you know, there'd been a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that n- no one knew about. So I think she did allude to that um, literally, literally just seconds of coming across the line, how much it meant to her. And I think that came from the fact that actually maybe she didn't even know she was going to make the start line, I guess. No one will know, but um, yeah, an incredible 100%. performance from the British athlete. Yeah. Look, let's move on. Special mention to uh, Nicholas Berrick. Uh, did all the chase pack work in her fifth Olympics and ran to sixth place, yeah. so we can't go past um, that little one. We've got to keep moving, though, and let, let's let's talk quickly about Ironman's decision to hand over invitations to Christian and to Flora because uh, that's caused a little bit of consternation around the traps. So people think that it's not fair and other people think that it's good, and I just want to get your thoughts on that, it obviously saves Christian a trip to Frankfurt, which is good for him. Uh, he says he's going to win anyway. But, I mean, Tim, you're, you, you've got the most – I mean, you and Macca have done so many of these. Tim, we'll start with you, though. But what do you think about them getting the – the Olympic champions getting the free pass to Kona? I think it's brilliant. I say bring the rain. I want the, 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 I want the whole podium in Kona. I mean, we want to see the best of the best race each other. We see that at every Super League race. We see that at most WTSs. We don't see that in Ironman in 70.3. There are, I think there were 18 races this weekend all over the world. So it's so diluted. If we can bring the best of the best together, let's let's do that. You know, whether they win or not is another matter, but it's it's great for our sport. It's great for the athletes. The fact that Christian is focusing on sub seven early next year. Um, I think this is really going to help him that he doesn't have to do Frankfurt. I don't know whether Flora will take it up. She's already on a time trial bike. I've seen her whizzing around on a shiv in Boulder on social. I think she'll go maybe for 70.3 worlds and then make the decision. Um, I say, I say, hell yeah. <laughs> Fair, Macca. Anyone, anyone who's against the Olympic, anyone who's against the Olympic champions being invited to, to Hawaii, they've got rocks in their head. Like, it's, <laughs> It's a fantastic thing for Ironman racing, and I read a lot of the tweets out there that oh, they didn't earn their spot. Like, 
didn't earn their spot. They're the Olympic champions. It's fantastic for Ironman to have the best mm. <laughs> the, the Olympians there. And and I don't think any pro athlete that you would speak any pro athlete that was that didn't want them on the start line is only doesn't want them there because they're fearful of them getting their ass kicked. But at a world championship, mm. you want to beat the best in the world. And whether they've done an Ironman or not, they've they've earned their spot. And as the Olympic champion, it brings a different different eyes on the event. I think it's remarkable. I think it's fantastic. And and I think Christian will do he's, – he's taken that spot. He'll go, and I, I tend to agree with Tim. I don't know if Flora will do that, but I, I hope to see her at the 70.3 worlds because I'm really looking forward to seeing her move up in distance, especially that 70.3 distance because she'll do some incredible things there. I guess my take on it, and I'm not as experienced um, at all as you guys are in Ironman racing, and I think it's brilliant to see them there and you want the best of the best. And I agree with the points that um, to have the Olympic champions there can only be great for Ironman racing. My only fear is those guys are financially pretty well set up. We're going to agree with that, right? But what about the Ironman athlete that's kind of moving up through the ranks? And we know how Ironman athletes struggle financially. If a spot is taken from... Uh, a, a, an Ironman athlete to be given to the Olympic champion. Is that right? You know, when we're looking at an Ironman athlete who's worked, you know, if, if that's not the case, then that's fine. Let them go race. Yeah. But. I don't think it's the case. I, I think to agree with Tim. I don't think it's the case that, that they're taking someone else's spot. But fundamentally, and I get it, a lot of these people go, oh, I haven't qualified and it's not fair. And But this is a world championship. And the World Championship's about the best in your sport being present, right? And if they're not taking someone's spot, they are, they, they're, they're worthy and they bring a lot more kudos. If, if you're honestly looking at Kona as a, and wanting to be race the best, not just looking at the race and hoping to get a good, good finish position because there's no one in it, then you're dealing with a different mindset. But I'm all for, no, I'm all for the best going and, and, and I, I'm pretty confident they haven't taken anyone's position. Those those open spots are there. They're just an, an, extra, an additional position. And I do think this year it's going to be relatively difficult, the qualification for Kona's and who's going and who's not going anyway. So a lot of people aren't potentially aren't going to go to the island. I know a lot of the Australians can't get there, for, for example, this year because of lockdown. So um, it'll be an interesting race regardless. And, and this year they're playing top 15 in Kona, which is the first time they've done that ever, ever, I think. So, um, but yeah, I don't think they'll be taking a spot away from anyone. And as you say, you want the best of the best there. And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see yeah. Um, yeah, how they do. They go. They, sa- they saved last year's money, Tim. They didn't have to pay prize money. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have to pay prize money last year. So they There's saved. A deal, deal done somewhere. It's, <laughs> it's Man. let's be honest. Macker, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I just want to quickly touch on this one because we've, we've got to keep moving, but uh emma carney your old sparring partners followed up and asked for a review of triathlon australia and the only reason i would speak about australia is because there was so much chat about you know the australians getting three men and three women the only uh, crew to have done that so they kind of got that part right but the performances were substandard so emma jeff coat was 26th jazz hesland and ash gender were both lapped out in the men's jake burt whistle was the best aussie 16th matt hauser 24th aaron royal 26th ninth in the mixed team relay uh, and has left the athletes defending themselves on social media. So what are your thoughts there? Emma says, and I quote, Triathlon Australia, high performance is lacking direction, leadership, transparency, failing our athletes in providing an environment where they can perform against the best in the world with resilience, determination, and a focus on excellence. So, I mean, Macca, I'd be remiss of me not to get your comment on, on what you think about, firstly, uh, the performances, but also, secondly, 
uh, what Emma says. Look, I I've been communicating with Emma and Rod Sodaro and a lot of them who are who are, who have pushed this forward with the ABC News here, and and, and it's been. Let, let's not just focus on this Olympics. There's been a few Olympics. Our last big Olympics was Beijing to, to some degree. And, and, uh, but I think going into this one, we saw ourselves with, as a big medal, big medal chance in the relay. We were, we were all blown out of it. I, I think there's some merit and some discussion to be had. There's been a lot of chopping and changing within the Australian structure. And we've looked, at, we've looked to England, who have been leading this high-performance structure for so many years. The Norwegians are now coming. But the, the English have just got it right since forever right and it seems you know we're now three or four olympics along since our last good performance so it's it, it is quite frustrating in the sport that we really have no excuse in not being good at we we live on the coast our weather's always good it's it's in our dna kids do it all over the country and yet we suck right and, and i'm not criticizing the athletes because it's very very difficult i know that what they've gone through and they've had a tough tough games and i'm not here to throw stones at, at any of the athletes but there, there needs to be a culture change within our within our within our federation here and and it, it has to start at the top if this was a business and you perform like that you get your head cut off right you moved along and and, and someone needs to do a review and someone needs to look at it not i think the talent's there the talent just needs to be fed better or, or looked after better so it's not an ath- whilst the athletes have to take some responsibility you know the lack of traveling for example you know the when they could travel, you know, Natalie Von Corvin not getting a spot when she probably should have. She's the number two ranked Australian in the world and she opted to travel overseas and race the World Cup circuit or the WTS circuit because she thought that was the best preparation for the Olympics. She was punished for that. She, and they picked our Olympic team off a bunch of age group races in Cairns with a couple of juniors going around some witches' hats. Like a, a, it, it, it is bizarre. And if there's this high performance in any, anyone in a high performance environment, it's true. Anyone in a high-performance environment and looking at Olympic gold as in, in reality and not having raced for two years, you cannot honestly believe that the result we got is, is a shock to anybody. Like, it's, it's – of course it was going to happen. You know, none of our team had raced. It's, it's, it's bizarre to me that anyone thought anything different would happen. But, yeah, it's, I, think that, I think we're seeing the beginning of it. I, I've been texting back and forwards with our CEO at the moment who's obviously worried about his, his role or his job and – and, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's warranted because it is a sport we did so well at many, many years ago, and it is a sport that I think Australia has a lot of depth in and, and can perform at, but there's something happening there that is not fostering the talent that you're seeing out of the UK and you're seeing out of Norway and you're seeing out of France and all these countries that that are cold and shouldn't perform well but uh, have so much depth. And, and the relays show a country's depth, and, and ninth is is testament to to failings on the high performance program within australia hasn't um the savior just flown in isn't joel filio the new head coach so he's it's almost the best thing that could happen to him because if he'd have flown in and they had done relatively well they would have said well we're not changing well now they've got to say dude whatever you want how are we going to make this a a a culture uh an environment and an atmosphere that breathes and breeds medals We've lost that toughness at you guys. Like the the Brits, the Brits have come off the back of you, Tim. Like your generation, and then you had the Brownleys generation, and now you've got such depth amongst the women. You have got Alex G, but you had a you had a a, a high performance culture that was driven uh, uh, that, that really brought a lot of 
young people along with it because there was an expectation of, of performance. You have a lot of racing you can plug into. You have a lot of things. You've got these satellite high performance centers, and and you've got and you embrace the history of the and of 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 what it means to put on the 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 British uniform in Australia. It's like there's your kit. Good luck. There's no there's no no fostering of that and and there's no desire to race they come back here they all sit on holidays they post social media photos and and call it training like i yeah there there needs to be an overhaul and let's see what joel can do because you know it is frustrating as an australian as a proud triathlete from australia it's it's frustrating to to see athletes that you know are capable underperform on the biggest stage no 100 percent agree and I heard that the Aussies spent over a hundred thousand yeah, dollars on these special shoes. Did anyone take note of that and see? If you look at the cycling and run shoes they wore on the mixed relay, they were specially designed, and they spent like six figures developing these shoes for faster transitions. So yeah, if you can get any photos, it's definitely worth. Yeah, I, I didn't see them, them, Tim, because I didn't see them, Tim, because <laughs> when you're that far back, you don't make the TV. <laughs> I heard a rumor, I heard a rumor and I saw one picture, but yeah, you're, you're right. But, um, yeah. you know, they're focusing on such minute detail. They're missing the bigger picture, you know, you've got to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But on the other hand, um, GB just dominant in that one, um, handing Georgia and Alex another medal and making Johnny the first triathlete to win three. He's got the entire collection now. And they were just supreme from the, from the start to the end. The French obviously were a little disappointing early, but scraped back to bronze. And how good was Morgan Pearson's run home uh, to to take that silver? And overall, I thought it was just a, a, an outstanding mixed team relay. Um, but GB front and center, just outstanding. Um, Annie, what did you think of that? Obviously, you were just. I, I imagine that your BBC commentary was disgustingly biased during that entire hour. I was it. I mean, it, it didn't have to be biased. We were just so good. We were just so <laughs> damn good, you know. Um, the athletes did not. Put, the athletes did not put a foot wrong, and and it made me so happy to see to see Johnny Brownlee perform like that with that confidence back, you know, just nailing it, not making mistakes. You know, Alex Yi. I mean. Oh my God! Yes, I did have my heart in my mouth when when Vanson like came through transition on the blue carpet and attacked. And you look at him, and you know that he's a, you know, he's a hard ass rider. He's incredibly strong. And I just thought, God, he's not going to get on. You know, what are his legs like from winning that silver medal just a few days before? And he went with him. And again, you know, I was a bit nervous coming down to the 2K run because, you know, Vanson Luis of old. I mean, we now know that he has been more injured than we realise you know, I think would have beaten Alex Yi, you know, even with Alex on his best day over two kilometres because he has such a tremendous finish. But Alex just looked amazing. And, you know, both Jess um, and GTB, just brilliant performances all round. I mean, I had tipped the Australians, but I guess I didn't know half of what had gone on in terms of their selection and stuff because they're Commonwealth Games champion, because, you know, they're former world champions. It's, you know, just such a poor show and disappointing, you know, because I've loved watching the Aussies race over the years. Um, And again, the American team. And I think, um, you know, just to put the stories out there, when you look at Morgan um, 
Pearson, you know, taking the ankle leg, lost his brother early on this year. I don't know the circumstances, but obviously devastating for the family. Um, Kevin McDowell had, you know, cancer a few years ago. And then Katie Sophia is losing her dad. You know, I mean, what a team, you know, and to, to hold on for that silver medal was an outstanding performance from, from the Americans. It really was. But, you know, the, the, the Brits on the day. Just nailed it. I pose a question. I want to ask you this because uh, I, was, I was quite surprised when I saw the French lineup with not starting Beaugrand first. When you have such strength in the swim, when you when you when when you saw that with Kinmo from the Netherlands, when you've got Jess in the in the women's side, and, and you put not that Leone, but you need Beaugrand in that group. You can't allow a group like that to go. I thought the French may have stuffed up in their in their start order that potentially cost them. Cost them later. They they're on the chase from the onset. What what did you guys think? Is absolutely hundred percent. Yeah, it was it was the, uh, when I saw it on the start list, I was like, "What are you doing?" You know, there's there's any chance of a gold medal gone. Yeah. There's no way you you know that Perio has a, has a weak swim. She is not a front pack swimmer. You know, and Cassandra Beaugrand should be every day of the week. You know? Yeah, I think they were thinking three hundred meters. She can hang on. She's going to run through in transition and just jump on the back. And yeah, I think they, they got their tactics wrong. They underestimated the power and commitment of not just Jess, but of, you know, all the other, you know, good swimmers from Lindemann, um, from Kingma, you know, from all of them. They all, they're yeah. all biking and swimming very well. Um, and that could have changed the dynamics, you know, early on. And going back to the Americans, I mean, Taylor Nib, you know, how she closed Georgia Taylor Brown. She's another young one for the future. You know, she brought the Americans back in to, yeah. to, to fight for gold. Um, you know, so yeah, she did. She did phenomenal as well. There were some great individual performances that made up some amazing team performances. But as Annie said, Great Britain, they were they were they were flying. Um, you know, all four athletes had yeah, amazing. You know, yeah, as close to perfect races as possible. Yeah, sorry, Johnny's uh, Johnny's post afterwards just says Olympics completed it, mate, and he did. He's now got silver, bronze, and the gold <laughs> to go with him from the uh, from the team. Uh, and that- and that was that was the Olympics. Uh, what a what a fantastic Olympics it's been overall. Have I guess I'm just used to having no crowds now at, at sporting events, but I think it's just been spectacular from beginning to end. Um, but now no time to rest. Obviously, uh, this weekend as we're recording this late on a Sunday evening uh, here in Australia, there's no triathlon, but there is next weekend as we head to Montreal for the first part of the Canadian Swing uh, with and and I quote an intense new format. Which they but well, they were calling the Eliminator, which sounds very familiar uh, to me. Anyway, uh, but now they've decided to go away from that uh, <laughs> name. Um, but let's see. I, I looked into the details, right? So it's uh, very similar. A day one heat with sixty athletes, and then the top ten in each heat go through to the day two final, plus another ten from the repercharge. And then they have uh, three super sprints on the second day, with the bottom ten eliminated each time with some very familiar distances of a 300-metre swim, a 7.2-kilometre bike and a 2K run. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's ringing a bell with me, this eliminator. I've definitely heard about it before. What do, what do we think about this inclusion um, of, of this in the, in the WTCS? Is it required for them to stay with the times or should they just stick to what they're good at? What do we think? Maka, let's start with you. What do you think about it? I love that type of format. I guess imitation is the finest form of flattery. So it's uh, it's a fantastic format. It's it's been it's been delivered in Super League racing for a while. It's been delivered here in Australia. And I, I do 
enjoy that style of racing, consequential racing, and uh, and and the opportunity to have a second chance if you have, you know, if you don't get it right that that first point of you know that first race you do. But you know, I'm looking for. I'm just excited. I think we've you know we've talked so much about racing, and now we've just come off the Olympics. We're on this big buzz. But we've been so long without any races. It, it's just great that we're having the opportunity to see a lot of the athletes after the Olympics come back to racing to crown a world champion off a series. I think Blumenfeld's still half a shot at it because they use the Olympics as points. So Blumenfeld's half a shot of winning a world title. You know, Vincent's out there defending. So uh, this will be a very, very interesting format and very interesting because I found the Montreal course after so many years, it's relatively mundane, right? Like it's, it's starting to get a bit flat. So... I'm looking forward to you know, a change in that. So I'll, I'll tune in 100. Uh, looking at the start list, and you know, there's a few obvious names that are missing. Um, uh, Katie Safiris is there, but the GTD's not there, and um, Jets isn't there. Duffy, Duffy isn't there. Um, do you know what? I wouldn't have done it for this year. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not sure about you know the inclusion of the Olympics in terms mm. of the the points overall for the series, um, because some very good athletes will have been left off. The Olympic teams for obvious reasons. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure why, um, and I'm, I am going to criticise. I don't see why you add it this year. Bring it in next year. I think the athletes have had enough to deal with already. Um, changing of the name, you know, an Olympic year from World Triathlon Series to World Championship Triathlon Series, which is a bit of a mouthful. I don't know. Um, I, I would have, I would have stayed on course. Um, and actually, Montreal isn't so bad, Maka. You know, there is, it is a bit, it's a bit more challenging than some of the World Triathlon Series events. Um, yeah, that's just my take on it, my humble opinion. Yeah, I'm not sure how much the name change is weighing on their preparation for this. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, it comes in commentary when you're going World Triathlon Series. No, World Championship Triathlon Series, and you can't get it right if you can't oh, get my words out at the best of times. So really, it's all about me. It's not about anything else. Yeah, no, I'll pay that. It, it is, when I was looking at the jumps, I mean, you know, after the Olympics, when you look at that being included, uh, obviously there's winners and losers there, right? So Alex E stays on top. Hayden Wild jumps six places to fifth. Kevin McDowell went up ten places to ninth. Uh, but then people like Leo Berger dropped badly, Schomburg, Yella Gaines, Velasa, obviously, Schumann, who obviously uh, had a DNF. In the women's floor, it jumped up to second position with that win, up eight spots, and Katie jumped 14 spots to sixth. But then someone like a Claire Michelle or Cassandra Beaugrand, you know, dropped down. Obviously, they were there, though. It's funny in Montreal because there's going to be no Norwegians there. There's going to be no Alex Yee. So... Martin Van Riel is our top-ranked attendant, and he is uh, 500 points off the top. So if he has a good race, he could end up on top of the, the standings coming into Edmonton. There's no Morgan Pearson. There's no Brownlee. In fact, half of the top 10 are absent. Um, so I guess who wins this format? If you're going to look at a Martin Van Riel, I mean, he's won the Arena Games. He knows how to race in this kind of, in this kind of um, conditions. It might not be a bad time for him to put a stack of points on. Now the same in the women's because there's no Maya Kingman there. So um, and then, but Flora is racing, so she could just take over. Um, and then there's people like uh, in the top ten, like Taylor Spivey and Nat Van Coverden, who we mentioned, who did who are fresh. Um, and then obviously coming into this swing with Edmonton, then being worth 25% more, there's some real moves to be made in the in the top ten of this thing for when we crown a world champion in a couple of weeks' time. Tim, I mean, you know, obviously there's if you if you were close to the top, you're in the top five, you've got to race Montreal and Edmonton, don't you? Otherwise you get left behind. 
Yeah, um, going back, I think Rio Olympics was WTS points as well. This isn't the first time they've done it, so it's not new. And I think anyone who raced it, whether they had a good or bad, that's racing. I do feel for the athletes that obviously didn't get selected to race, but it, it's not a new thing. We def the ITU have definitely done that before um, in Rio. Yeah, I mean, if you get a medal in the relay or the individual, I can totally understand why you might not want to race it because, you know, you've got to monetize your success in your home nation. You know, that Olympic window is very short to do that. Um, but to be world champion, you know, and an Olympic medalist in the same year is hard to do. Um, yeah, would I have raced if I'd have got a medal? Probably not. <laughs> Spent time, you know, there's big, you know, traveling <laughs> to Japan and all the heat, heat and training camps and stuff. Pubs are open, Tim. Pubs fall. are back open. That's it. <laughs> That's not good for my training, let me tell you that. <laughs> we live in the smallest village with six bloody pubs. It's a nightmare. Um, I think it's a good time to try something new. <laughs> um, because, you know, when is a good time to try something new? Yesterday, I think, not tomorrow. So, yeah, good luck to the WCT, ABCD, whatever it's called. And, um, you know, the athletes are used to this format. From French Grand Prix, from um, Arena Games, from Super League, and from the Team Relay. I think there is a Team Relay there as well. But, again, I think that will be very much a under-23 B Team Relay. So, good luck to the athletes racing. Um, but I think they're, they're under no illusion that it's not going to be a, a standard depth of field. Yeah, all right. So, yeah. let's... let's... Just because we were just about to come up to the hour, people's trainer tur turbo trainer sessions are ending, um, I, so we're going to wrap it up. Just to remind you, it's Alex G from Blumenfeld, Van Real, Pearson, and Wild are the top five in the men. In the women's, it's King Duffy, Colwell, Spivey, Jess Learmonth, and then Katie Zafiris, who's made a massive jump. We've got Montreal, and then the next weekend we've got Edmonton with twenty five percent more points, and it's back at standard distance. So who? wins the world title in two and a bit or what will it now be three weeks time uh no two weeks time who at the end of edmonton in this time in two weeks is going to be world champion in the men's and the women's maca let's start with you oh i'm going out on a limb because i haven't seen the start list maya kinma i'll tell you that kingma mm. is not in montreal flora duffy oh, okay well there you go flora duffy then yeah i was just about to say then flora duffy um i am gonna i'm gonna say safira there we go just a because I've, I've looked at the points, actually, and uh, a few things might have to go wrong in front of her, but I think she's got a bit between her teeth, and mm. I think Duffy's going to be caught up in a whirlwind of, of media stuff right now. Um, I mean, she's the consummate professional, but, you know, is she going to be giving it her all in, in Edmonton? You know, I don't know. Um, Spivey's in there, Colwell, Duffy, but I think Sephiris will love the Edmonton course. She'll be, you know, she, her, her fitness will have moved up another level. She is racing in Montreal. Yeah. So, and, and we know how good she is at Super League, right? So, you know, she's Super League champion. So she, she's got a great chance going into Montreal of doing really well next weekend as well. Okay, what about for the men's? At the moment, it stands with Yee, Blumenfeld uh, are a good 500 points ahead of Van Riel who's then 500 ahead of Pearson and Wild, Alaza, Brownlee, Berger. Maka, what do you think? Alex Yee? I'm going to go with Christian Blumenfeld. No, I'm going to go with Christian Blumenfeld without having to do the Ironman in Frankfurt and the automatic qualification going into Kona. I think he'll he'll they'll they'll look at focusing on this. It's a world title to grab. He's in great condition and he's already on training camp. Having just spoken to him, he's not he's not out in the pub celebrating in London. He's boom straight back to business. So he's got his head in the game still. And 
there's there's a world title there. It'd be very very difficult to to unhinge. I'm going to go with Yee. Yeah, I join Annie. I think Yee, um, if he's racing Edmonton, which I think he is, he's back training. I've seen him in the pool. I've seen him running around the streets even when I've been driving. Legend. There you go. It's one of the top two. Uh, there are the tips. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the short shoot show. Send us your tips. All of us are on social media. Um, Macca, I'm contracted to say it's at Macca now. I have to say that he's getting close to 100,000 followers on Instagram, and I just want to see the big guy get over the line, you know. But it's important for him. I don't know how many of them are real followers, but nevertheless, the numbers there uh, in black and white. Uh, so we're going to wrap it up right there. We have come up to the hour. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Macca, uh, for all of that. We'll be back with a, a, a whole bunch more content, actually, in the lead-up to the Super League Triathlon Series, which starts in the first weekend of September. So there's really not a long time. It's four weeks away from now. Head to superleaguetriathlon.com for all the details, how you, how you can be there, what you want to know. Send us uh, any of your feedback. We'll include it in the upcoming episodes. We'll have some great interviews as well, and these guys will be back too. So that is all from us. Bye for now.